as usual. Nice job. Thank you. Thanks for leading us into the throne room. We have a, a special, she's not a guest, but she's been gone for a while. And uh, we're really glad she's back with us. And uh, she may be upset that I'm drawing attention to her, but that's okay. Um, I'll take it. But uh, Jan Mihalich has been uh, in the prayer section of our bulletin for months. And she just hasn't been able to be here. Uh, she's been uh, battling a couple different forms of cancer, and uh, anyway, she's uh, been wanting to be with us, back with the family. She's been missing you like crazy. Anyway, she's in the back row, so just kind of wave at us, would you, Jan, back there? Yeah, there she is. Uh, so uh, we welcome you back. Yeah. You too, handsome ward. Yeah. That's her husband, in case you didn't know. Uh, I begin with a few quotes today. Um, perhaps the greatest U.S. inventor, one of the greatest minds, Thomas Edison. Many of life's failures are people who do not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of Great Britain in World War II, um, probably best known for uh, rallying the uh, people of England when they had every right to give up, when they were discouraged. Here is the entire speech that uh, Winston Churchill gave shortly after the war. He stood up and this was his speech. <clears throat> I won't do it as good as him because he was, this is, this is really cool. When you got the moxie to give a speech like this, he says this. Never give up. Never, ever give up. He went and sat down. That was it. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> and we're still talking about that speech today. <laughs> uh, the Sultan of Swat. Anybody know who that is? Home Run King? The real Home Run King? <laughs> Babe Ruth? Uh, anyway, he said this. Every strike, think about it, every strike brings me closer to the next home run. Isn't that a good attitude? Every strike, just a little closer to the next home run. Uh, Vince Lombardi, uh, Green Bay Packers, Super Bowl coach. Got any Green Bay fans here? There's a few of you traders here. Okay, I uh, just wanted to see who you were. Now we know. Here's what he said. The difference between a successful person and others is not a lack of strength, not a lack of knowledge, but rather a lack of will. And then he said, once you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. Once you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. Uh, motivational writer Dale Carnegie, most of the important things in the world have been accomplished by people who've kept on trying when there seemed to be no hope at all. Just kept on trying, even though there seemed to be no hope at all. And one of my favorite speakers, uh, John Maxwell, the only guarantee for failure, the only guarantee for failure is to stop trying. Or, we'll put it the best, James 1.12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. 
For when he has stood the test of time, he'll receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Remain steadfast under trial. Today, um, we're going to take a journey. And we're going to cover two years in one Sunday. And hopefully it won't feel like two years to you after we finish uh, this morning. But we're going to cover two years. It's the very first missionary journey of Saul and Barnabas. And uh, as I've read these two chapters, we're going to cover two chapters. Can you believe it? Uh, so uh, anyway, this will be interesting. Um, as I've read this over and over this past week, here's what strikes me. These guys wouldn't quit. <laughs> there was no backup in them. When things got bad, when they faced opposition, when people came against them, uh, they refused to back up or shut up or back down, even in the face of really strong opposition. Um, and, and I think there's a lot for us to learn here. And, and I would argue that I see over and over again here in chapter 13, when, when uh, trouble and struggle and opposition came, they hung in there, and by hanging in there, that's how they got to the good stuff. Did you track with me there? When, when trouble and struggle and pain and opposition came, instead of running away and quitting, they hung in there, and then they saw the good stuff come. And I would argue, a lot of us, the reason we're not seeing the good stuff is because we qu keep quitting, we keep running, we're not hanging in there, we're not persevering, and therefore we're not getting to the good stuff. But the struggle and the trouble and the opposition, can I just tell you, that's a part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Not a popular message today, I know. Matter of fact, there's a whole group of people saying just the opposite. Trust Jesus and a magic bubble will come around you and blessing and all sorts of riches and you'll never get sick. And, and I just want you to know that's, that's, I won't say the word that come into my mind right now, but uh, it, it's hooey, okay? It, it's baloney. It's, it's, it, it's just not true. And we're not going to see that here today either, okay? Acts chapter 13 is where you want to be if you have your Bible. Um, we're going to stand now. Dan will put it up here on the wall. We'll read out loud together, and we'll see uh, at least the, the first part of the missionary journey of Saul and Barnabas, although by the end uh, of today, it's going to be Paul. Kind of interesting. You ready? Verse 1, read with me, would you please? Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. 
They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elmas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elmas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for getting this event recorded in your book. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we can go back there and we realize this is exactly what we need for uh, encouragement, for correction, for teaching. Lord, there's all sorts of good truth here for us to grab a hold of, and I pray that's exactly what we would do. Um, Teach us this morning from the very first missionary journey of the church. Um, Lord, I recognize the journey is not yet complete. The truth is, Lord, there's still lots of people around us, people in Boyne City and East Jordan and Petoskey and Boyne Falls and Horton Bay and Lanson and Charlevoix, and even here in Walloon Lake, there's lots of folks who still have yet to say yes to your son Jesus and choose to follow him. So, Lord, I'm praying that you'll show us this morning the eternal principles and patterns that are universal, not just to Saul and Barnabas, but to us today in your church. So help us to learn today, help us to digest your truth. Lord, I'm praying that we would not just be hearers of your word. Lord, most importantly, help us to put it into practice and be doers of your word. And right now we want to invite the very same Holy Spirit that inspired Dr. Luke to write down these words on parchment. Lord, may that very same Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, be welcome today in your church. And we do that even right now. Rushing wind, blow through your church right now. Blow out the dust, blow out the garbage, Lord. We're ready to respond. We're ready to hear from you. We're ready to uh, live out these words. So come and work and teach and counsel and convict and encourage your church today as we study your word together. And all the church gathered at Walloon said with joy, you may be seated. If you got a Bible with you, um, go back to Acts 11 verse 30, would you? I just want to show you what's going on here. Church at Antioch, that's Antioch, Syria. There's a couple different Antiochs. You're going to see that this morning. Um, 
they took an offering of money. They were told there's going to be a famine. It's going to affect Judea. It's going to affect the church in Jerusalem. So they took up a generous offering. And then they said, uh, Saul, Barnabas, why don't you take the offering to the church at Jerusalem? So they deliver that offering, that gift of money to the church at Jerusalem. Okay? Then last week we saw the, some powerful stuff with Peter as the Lord intervenes, as he's going to lose his head like James. Um, and then go to verse 25 of Acts chapter 12, um, 12-25. Saul and Barnabas now return to Antioch. They've been to Jerusalem, they've delivered the offering, okay? And now they come back to Antioch, and they bring along with them John Mark as their helper, okay? That's the background, verse 1, Acts chapter 13. It's five senior leaders in the church at Antioch, and I just want to point them out. Barnabas, we've been talking about him some uh, for, for the last several weeks, but there's also uh, Simeon called Niger. Uh, literally, that word means black. Uh, Simeon was very likely black, a person of color. Okay. Uh, also, uh, one of the senior leaders in the church at Antioch, verse 1, Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene is in northern Africa. Uh, most commentators suggest he probably, too, was dark. End and what do you think? This is a good sign, okay? We're going to learn that today. So it's like the Lord said, oh, I'm going to have a little illustration of this. Okay. Uh, Lucius of Cyrene, third leader. Um, Manian, this is, this is really uh, fascinating, I think. He grew up in Herod's house. Perhaps he was adopted. Maybe he was a good friend of someone. But anyway, somehow uh, he got adopted and, and grew up in Herod. This is the one who tangled with Jesus, that Herod. And then finally, Saul, 12 years of training, one year teaching in Antioch, and now he's heading out on the very first missionary journey. Now, here's what's interesting. This is like the last time that Barnabas is going to be first. From now on, it's interesting that uh, it'll be Paul and Barnabas. Up to this point, it's been Barnabas and Saul. It's going to go to Paul and Barnabas. Uh, that's his Greek name. Be a little more familiar, a little more friendly with the Gentiles. So it's going to be Paul and Barnabas. Verse 2, Acts 13. While they were worshiping and fasting, did you know that uh, those two go together? We, we worship and we fast. In other words, we withhold food so that we can better concentrate. The Holy Spirit said to the five leaders, set apart Saul and Barnabas for a work which I've called them to. I can't tell you how much there's written on, well, how did the Lord speak to them? And, and the truth is, Myron, 
That's all. It, 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 it's not real clear. We do know somehow the five knew. Um, clearly, they understood. It was obvious, and the Lord spoke to them, but we don't know exactly how he spoke to them, how he made himself clear to set apart Saul and Barnabas. Verse 3, after they have fasted and prayed, so look at verse 2. This is interesting. The Lord spoke, and then they fast and pray some more. Why? I want to make sure, right? I, I, I want to make sure. I, I think we understood set apart Saul and Barnabas, but just in case we didn't, they fast some more, and then once they're sure, then they place their hands on Saul and Barnabas, identify, bless them, send them off. Okay, now, your Barnabas or your Saul, okay? And, and now they're about to send you off. Do you got any questions? I, I have a few. If, if that was me, here's what I would say. Um, Lord, why did you pick me? <laughs> why not one of the other five? Uh, second, what's the work that you're calling us to? What, do you, what are you calling us to do? It's not clear here. And here's another one. Where in the world are you sending us? Wouldn't you ask those questions? Why'd you pick me? What are we supposed to be doing? Oh, and would you mind sharing where exactly we're supposed to go? And yet it's really general. Um, Barnabas, Saul, I choose you. Now go. And it's a little bit like Abraham back in the Old Testament. You remember uh, God's call on Abraham, he's in Ur, and what does the Lord say to Abraham? Abraham, go to the land, I will send you. And if I'm Abe, I'm thinking, uh, where are you sending me to? And it's just go, and I'll show you. And the same thing is true here. Just go, by faith he went, and the Lord honored that. Uh, verse 4, they went, they walked down to a nearby port, that's in Seleucia, and they hop aboard a boat to the island of Cyprus, just uh, maybe 50 miles off the coast there of uh, northern Syria. And it says they took John Mark. So really where they're headed now is uh, Barnabas's kind of home area. So the very first place they go is to Barnabas's home area because he's from Cyprus. Isn't that interesting? Verse 5. They arrive at Salimus. Anybody got a map in the back of your Bible? You ever wondered why they're there? This is your time. Isn't this great? Okay. You're actually going to actually go back. If you, if you have a map in your Bible, go in the back, and there's almost always some maps of the missionary journeys. Okay? And you want to find the very first missionary journey, and we're going to follow that. And, and they go from Antioch, which is up in Syria, and they're just going to sail just a little bit over to Salimus. That's on the eastern side of the island of Cyprus. Okay, get off the boat, and uh, now what's their job? A any guesses? What's their job? They're, they're off the boat, now they're in Cyprus, eastern side of the island, and here's what they do right off the bat, verse 5. And when they arrived at Salimus, they proclaimed the word of God. Instantly, their, their job, they knew what it was. I'm going to go and I'm going to talk about the word of God. I'm going to talk about truth. I'm, I'm going to talk about Jesus and the cross. I'm going to talk about the empty tomb. What else would I talk about? They, they knew 
what their job was. Was there any other job? And then verse 5, you'll notice the very first place they go to when they get off the boat to proclaim the word of God. Where do they go first? To the what? Say it. To the synagogue. That's kind of like the church for Jews who live far away from Jerusalem. They live far away. They can't make it to Jerusalem on a regular basis. So therefore, they built synagogues. And uh, this, was, this was their church. So he goes to the place where the Jewish believers would gather. And why would they do that? Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to everyone who believes to the Jew first. And that's Paul's pattern. Everywhere he goes, he goes first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Okay, Verse 6, Acts chapter 13. Saul and Barnabas travel the whole island of Cyprus. And what do you suppose they're doing while they're traveling the whole island of Cyprus? I'll tell you what they're doing. Just back up to verse 5. They're proclaiming the word of God. Everywhere they go on the island of Cyprus, they're telling everybody, you need to know about Jesus. He is the Messiah. He's come, and he's taken care of your sin problem. And he took your place on the cross, and he went into the tomb. And I want you to know the tomb's empty. He's alive. And he's changed my life, and he'll change yours, okay? Everywhere they go, that's the message. Verse 7, um, now they arrive in the port city of Paphos. Paphos. Okay, they started on the eastern side of Cyprus. They worked their way all through the island, and now they're on the western edge telling everybody about Jesus. And now, sure enough, you open up your mouth, you talk about Jesus and the cross, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Start talking about Jesus. Start speaking up for the Lord and what he did for you on the cross and the empty tomb. What will happen every time? Any guesses? Opposition. Trouble. Struggle. And uh, sure enough, it comes in the form, verse 7, of a guy named Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus. And, and, and that kind of throws some people. Just want you to know, Bar means son of. And Jesus, that would have been Joshua, which would have been a very common name. It, it means salvation, but it was also Joshua would have been a really common name, like Dave or, or Jason, really common, you know? So son of Joshua, literally, okay? Um, anyway, it says here, look at verse 7, he's, he's uh, a Jewish sorcerer. So he's a Jew who's kind of like a wizard. He, he's a magician. Uh, he, he practices in the occult. He's a false prophet. J listen close. Jesus' team, he's on the other side, okay? He, he's, he's on the other team. He works for Satan. He, he's on the devil's side, if you will, okay? And it says, go back to verse 7. Um, and this guy that uh, his name was Bar-Jesus was also the advisor, the attendant to the governor of Cyprus. Isn't that interesting? So the, the head guy, the Roman governor on the island of Cyprus, his number one man was a magician, a wizard, uh, an occult guy. And uh, 
Therefore, he, he has him, and the governor's name is Sergius Paulist, kind of a cool name, don't you think? Uh, and now the governor of Cyprus says, you know what, I'm hearing good stuff about this Saul and Barnabas. Um, I think I'd like to hear. And it says he was an intelligent man. That's almost never found in God's word. Rarely does it say to somebody, and this guy was really smart, got a 36 on his ACT. It, it almost never says some stuff like that. But this guy was really smart, and he was smart enough to know, hey, I want to know what these guys have to say. Now, here's where it gets interesting. But Elmas, that's the other name for Bar-Jesus, the sorcerer, opposed them, opposed Paul and Barnabas, and tried to turn the proconsul, tried to turn the governor from the faith that they were presenting. Um, I don't know exactly what he was doing, but he was really worried here. He, he was worried that if my boss says yes to Jesus and starts following him, I'm probably going to lose my influence. I'm going to lose my job. Do you understand? So I don't want to lose my job, and I don't want to lose my influence. So he's doing like everything he can, everything he, he can think of to get the governor off track. Hey, look, I found a quarter in your ear. Yeah. Hey, look at this stick. It becomes a snake. He's going crazy. And, and, and now he's just going nuts. And, and then Paul, I would love, I would love to have the DVD of this. Uh, and then Paul looks at Elmas at bar Jesus, and, and this is great. Verse 9, then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elmas. <laughs> and I think that would have been quite a look, okay? And he said, you are a child of the devil. You're an enemy of everything that's right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? That's strong. <laughs> That's right to the point. Okay? And, and now the hand of the Lord is against you, and you're going to be blind. You are about to be struck blind, buddy, for a time. Isn't that gracious? E even in consequences, the Lord says, you're not going to be forever blind, but for a time, I'm going to get your attention, and you're going to realize that I am God, uh, Jesus is Lord, and your guy is not. And immediately mist and darkness came over Elmas, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. First thing, there are no more apostles today. You might just want to write that down, okay, in case you haven't gotten that already. There are no more apostles today. So, so what I'm telling you is don't try this at home, okay? Okay? You, you see that on the screen where they're doing stupid things, you know, and do not try this at home. Do not try this at home because you're not an apostle. The apostles were folks that Jesus handpicked. They saw the risen Christ. They were the foundation of the early church. There are no more apostles today. Although you watch Christian TV, you have guys who think that they are, and they pretend to be an apostles, and it's quite sad, really. Okay, that's beside the point. Um, now, you're the Roman governor. You're, uh, you're Sergius Paulus now, and you've just seen this encounter between your top advisor, 
and Paul. And now you've seen the power of Jesus up close. Who are you going to choose? <laughs> you, you're going to choose, you're going to choose Elmas's God, G-O-D, little G, little O, little D, or are you going to choose the God of Peter, Jesus Christ, that he's lifting up, that he's glorifying? How, which way would you go? And it was, it was pretty clear, and it was pretty obvious. Look at it, verse 12, and when the proconsul saw what had happened, he what? He believed. He believed in Jesus Christ. And it says, and he was amazed at the miracle of causing his attendant to go blind. Is that what it says? What's it say, verse 12? And he was amazed at what? He was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Don't ever miss this, okay? The messenger is not what's amazing. Can I get an amen? Goofy, okay? Small, weak. The message is what's amazing. Jesus Christ is who is amazing. And, and this Roman governor got it. He wasn't amazed at Paul. He wasn't amazed at the miracle. He was amazed at the teaching about Jesus, the message. The message is what is critical. Don't ever forget that. Lots of goofy messengers. But the message is what has my heart and my attention. Okay, now I want to quickly uh, take you through two other cities. We've got 15 minutes, okay? I want to show you the same pattern at work. And here's the pattern. Are you ready? Paul, Barnabas come into town. They speak boldly about Jesus. Secondly, someone or several someones take offense. We don't like your message. We don't like what you're saying. And they oppose them. Saul and Barnabas hang tough. They press on through opposition. The Lord blesses. The Lord brings fruit. They get to the good stuff. They persisted. They held fast. Okay? Let's go back to the text. Verse 13. They catch a boat. They sail from Cyprus to Perga. Perga. These are fun words to say, don't you think? Um, that's Turkey today. It's a port city in uh, modern-day Turkey. And uh, John Mark, the one they brought on as their helper, what happens there in verse 13? Uh, I think I'm out of here. I've had enough. I, I don't think I want to be your helper anymore. And he heads back to Jerusalem. Why? Homesick, missing mom, not enjoying being helper, um, Maybe miss the falafels they had at the stand uh, down the road. I don't know. Um, maybe he didn't like the encounter with Elmas. Uh, maybe he knew what was coming was not going to be fun, and that would be correct. Going to head up into the mountains. Uh, lots of reasons why. We, it doesn't say exactly, but probably a combination of several of those. I'm, I'm going home. Okay. Verse 14, chapter 13. They travel 90 miles from Perga, to Pisidian Antioch. And this is where it gets a little crazy because there's two Antiochs. Uh, they just left Antioch in Syria, and now this is one about 200 miles away, way up in the mountains, okay? Um, so anyway, they head up to Pisidian Antioch, verse 15. Look at it. Uh, first place they go to, any guesses? Where are they going to go? First to the, to the Jews, okay? So first they're going to go to the synagogue. Uh, they invite Paul to speak. And I'm telling you what, <laughs> it, 
If they didn't mean it, they shouldn't have invited him. Verse 16 through verse 41, Paul stands, and this is the very first recorded sermon of the Apostle Paul. Man, he lets it rip. And that would be good homework for you, okay? You read verses 16 to 41. Uh, Speaking to the Jews starts with Moses, then he works his way through the Old Testament to King David, and then he takes from David to Jesus, and man, he lets it rip. Slide down to verse 38, would you? I just want to show you a couple verses here. He's, he's ending up here, into the sermon. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Isn't that the heart of the message? Through Jesus... Forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. Through him, through Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. I know you like Mo, I know you like the law, but I just want you to know what this Jesus offers is you are free from every sin. And how much does every include? How much? How many of your sins does it include? Every, every one of them. Now, now, some of us, that means a lot, doesn't it, Jeff? Because, I mean, we were like really good sinners. You know, I think it's in the name, the Jeffs. But I'm just telling you, we were good at sinning. So when he says, look at verse 39, through Jesus, every sin, every sin is taken care of. We're set free from every one of our sins. That's powerful. It's amazing. Um, verses 44 to 49, Paul and Barnabas speak to the entire city. This is cool. It says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed to eternal life believed. So lots of people there accept Jesus Christ as, as Savior and Lord in Pisidian Antioch. And all who were appointed to eternal life believed. And, and boy, I could talk a long time about this, but I'm not. I only got about 20 seconds. You ready for this? All who Jesus appointed to believe, believed. So who goes first, you or Jesus? And, and if you go back to Paul, who, who found Paul on the road to Damascus? The Lord found Paul, knocked him down, got his attention, and then, and then this was Paul's part. Yes. Yes. That, that's, that's the man part. God knocked him down, struck him blind, and then his job was go, yes. Okay, that, that's how it works. And that's the point. Do we have something to do with it? Yeah, yes, we do. <laughs> but it's mostly God because he runs us down. He chases us. And the Lord spread through the, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. That's verses 48 and 49. Okay? So they shared about Jesus and the gospel and lived happily ever after, right? Is that how it works? I don't think so. Look at verse 50. The Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing, the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. God works powerfully. Opposition. And here's the result. Look at verse 52. This is kind of fun. And all the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They got kicked out of the region. Get out of here and don't come back. And they were filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the takeaway. Paul and Barnabas were convinced their mission in life was to share Jesus Christ, to speak up for him, 
every opportunity they got. They knew that was their job. That, that was their calling. And, and every chance they got. And they planned on, they expected pushback and opposition. And when they got grief and when they got trouble and when people opposed them, they held fast. They hung tough. They pressed on. They persisted. And the Lord used that pattern to advance the gospel in city after city after city. Okay, we've got to go fast. We're going to go 90 miles now. They got booted out of Pisidian Antioch. And chapter 14, um, they head to uh, a place called Iconium. Iconium. Okay, verse 1, immediate success at Iconium. This is on the back of your bulletins. Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively. Okay, they're speaking to the Jews in the synagogue, but they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks, even people who weren't even in the synagogue, did what? They believed. <laughs> so immediate success. Followed by verse 2, immediate opposition. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. Okay? So, what should you do when you face opposition? When, when they're pushing back at you, you've talked about Jesus, you, you've talked about the cross and the empty tomb and what Jesus has done. What should you do um, when people are troubling and poisoning people's minds and now they're stirred up against you because you love Jesus? What, what should you do? And here's the answer, verse 3. Um, so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. Okay, they got trouble. What do they do? <laughs> they dug in. They hung tough. And, and they were just going to talk about Jesus. And, and they spent considerable time even though there was lots of opposition, even though there was lots of trouble and pushback against their message. Verse 4. people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others sided with the apostles. Did you know that the gospel of Jesus unites people and divides people? It always has, it always will. It unites people and it divides people. And then verse 5, this is interesting, they become aware of a plot to kill them. Okay, somehow the word gets back. Did you know that they're going to grab you, Paul, Barnabas? They're going to throw you in a pit, and they're going to take baseball-sized rocks, and they're going to fly them into your head until you're dead. And, and this is interesting. And, and what do they do? Verse 6, when they hear that they're going to grab them and kill them, they fled to Lystra and Derby. Well, what's with that? What are they doing? They're running away. What, what's all about the running? Matthew 10, 23, here's what Jesus said. They put these words, when you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. Isn't that interesting? So when they're going to kill you, it's okay to say, I'm going to keep on living for Jesus and run to the next town. That's a good principle, okay? So if somebody wants you to kill you, you're, you're allowed to run, okay? Isn't that good to know? Okay, you're allowed to run. When you're persecuted in one place, Matthew 10, 23, flee to another. But here's the deal. If they catch you, you keep on holding fast to your profession of faith. 
That's the deal. Because sometimes they catch you. And, I, and I'm not going to deny, and I'm not going to step back. If they catch you, I'm, I'm going to hold on, and I'm going to keep talking about Jesus. But it's okay to run if you get the heads up. Um, and then verse 7, and then they head out um, to Lystra and Derby, and there they continue to preach the gospel. They're like ever-ready bunnies, okay? Wherever they go, wherever they go. We're just going to talk about Jesus wherever we go. Can't control the outcome. Our job is to be faithful. Our job is to be faithful. Um, what's the takeaway? Can I offer four of them real fast if you're taking notes? What, what's the takeaway for us? What, what should we grab here for us? And uh, here's the first thing. Um, you're the only Jesus some people will ever see. You and I are the only Jesus that some people are ever going to see. You and I are the only Bible some people will ever read. We're called to be lights in a very dark world. And it's become fashionable for people to say, well, I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I'm just going to live Jesus in front of them. You ever, you ever heard those words, Denny? I, I, I don't need to talk. I, I'm just going to... Show them Jesus with my words and my actions and my behavior. And, uh, and, and eventually, they'll somehow come to know Jesus just by watching me. That's kind of like the fashionable thing. And, and here's what I have to say. Are you ready? Um, if you're cussing and cheating and smoking and lying and living a sinful life in front of people around you, please don't tell them you're a Christian, okay? Do us all a favor and just don't tell them, okay, anything. Okay, don't even acknowledge that you're, you go to church or you're a follower of Jesus. But if you're a follower of Jesus, yes, of course, live like a Christian. But then you're going to have to speak up. And that's where the rub is, isn't it? Because if I start talking about Jesus, then I'm going to get some pushback. And some people are going to be upset. And some people will be angry at me. Yeah, that's true. That's true, but, but you see this in Paul and Barnabas. Everywhere they went, they talked about Jesus. Are you ready, church? We're called to speak up about Jesus and what he's done. And he went to the cross, and he took care of our sin problem. And that grave is empty because he's alive, and he's powerful, and he's working in my life, and he'll work in yours. You've got to speak up. Second, number two, and... Uh, I got this from Ron Hutchcraft, so I want to say publicly, thank you, Ron. Um, ready? Pray for open doors. Pray for, excuse me, pray for open hearts. Pray for open hearts. Uh, Lord, I pray for my family member that I'm pretty sure doesn't know you. I pray for this friend of mine. I'm pretty confident they're not your followers. I pray for my neighbors. They don't know you. I pray for my coworkers, people at school, fellow students. I'm going to pray for open hearts for those people around me. Secondly, he said, pray for an open door. Lord, give me an opportunity today and then show me, here's your opportunity, Jeff. It's time to speak up. And finally, pray for my open mouth. Okay? Pray for open hearts. Pray for an open door. And then, Lord, pray for my open mouth. Lord, that I might speak up and have the right attitude and the right tone. And, Lord, give me the right words. 
And oh, by the way, if you want to pray something for me, pray for this open mouth, okay? Pray. That's a great thing to pray for each other about. And pray for yourself. Lord, pray that I'll open my mouth. Third, third takeaway. Um, when people reject the message of Jesus, they're not rejecting you. Remember, they're actually rejecting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Okay? They rejected Jesus first. And the truth is, rejection oftentimes is not a sign of failure. It's a sign of success. Track with me for a second. Everywhere Paul and Barnabas went, they had opposition. They had people who rejected, but that actually was a sign. It, it unites and it divides, the gospel does, every time. So somehow we got to get in our head, you know what? If I've stirred things up with speaking up for Jesus, I've gotten Satan and his forces attention, and that's probably a good sign. And that's how I took this little microphone episode, you know. Uh, something's up that he's, he's going to fire some darts here. That's a good sign. Do you understand? And fourth, and we're done, expect, plan on opposition and pushback when you talk about Jesus. And here's the thing. But by God's grace, Lord, I'm going to hang tough. When I face opposition, Lord, and people aren't happy because I'm talking about you, Lord, help me to persevere and press on. Help me, Lord, to stand true to you. Because by God's grace, this is where I hang in there, and then I'm going to see the good stuff. And that's where you're going to see the good stuff too. Isn't that good? A wonderful pattern that we see in the very first missionary journey. And that's not bad. We covered two years, and I'm just two minutes over, okay? So bow your heads, shut your eyes as we close. Lord, uh, thank you for the bold and fearless example of Paul and Barnabas. As they went city to city to city talking about your son, Jesus. Lord, they literally turned the ancient world upside down. And they took every opportunity they had to talk about your son, Jesus Christ, and the cross and the empty tomb. Lord, my prayer as we close right now is that you might use us to reach northern Michigan with the good news that's changed us. Lord, may we be bold. May we be persistent. Lord, uh, may we be ready and willing to share that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he shed his blood on the cross, for our sin problem, that he took our place in the tomb and he arose from the dead. Lord, I pray for open hearts and the people you've placed around us. I pray for open doors of opportunity for us to speak up. I pray for open mouths that will even speak up when we're scared and afraid. Lord, I pray for someone here this next week who's never spoken up for you, that you'd give them the courage to step up and speak up for you. And, Lord, uh, even when we face opposition and it's hard and it's difficult, Lord, may we be a people that perseveres and presses on even when we're getting some pushback. We pray all these things in the awesome name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Guess what we saved for right now? Something a little different. You like a little different once in a while? Would you stand right now? Go ahead. You can do it. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor, introduce yourself, say, hey, 
I don't remember your name. What was your name again? Just too sweet to trust in Jesus. 